0: Welcome into the Diamond Vols podcast on a Monday afternoon after Tennessee sweeps the Knoxville Regional. Tennessee picks up three wins in comeback fashion over the course of the weekend. They beat Alabama State 10 to nothing on Friday night. They beat Campbell 12 to 7 on Saturday night, and then they beat Georgia Tech 9 to 6 on Sunday night. Eric and I obviously recorded a podcast after the Friday and Saturday game. So this podcast will be discussing the Sunday win over Georgia Tech, and we'll provide some thoughts overall on the weekend as well. But if you missed our postgame pod discussing the Alabama State, Evan Russell situation on Friday, if you missed us discussing the comeback win over Campbell, go find that in the VolQuest podcast feed on SoundCloud. Apple and
1: Spotify. Eric Kane, how are you, my friend? I'm good, man. Uh, really, really fun weekend of baseball. It's in the books, and uh, looking forward to another weekend. Surviving in advance time, right? So, uh, no, nah, it was it was a uh, it was a whole lot of fun this past weekend. It
0: certainly was, and it, it will only continue to be more intense, more nerve wracking, and more fun as the weeks progress. Tennessee now two wins away from Omaha. Notre Dame did win the Statesboro Regional. They they swept the Statesboro Regional, in fact, and they will come to Knoxville this upcoming weekend. Should be a really fun series. We won't touch too much on that in this podcast, but we will be back with you later this week on Thursday, most likely to preview that series, or, or Wednesday, if that is a Thursday series. Uh, Super Regionals could start. On Thursday or Friday, we'll, we'll see what happens. It is best two of three. Uh, a lot of elimination games going on right now as we speak on this Monday, so uh, we won't know whether Tennessee-Notre Dame is a Thursday or Friday start until later on tonight or or even first thing Tuesday morning. Uh, but we'll be back with you at some point later this week to preview that series. We, we are going to discuss Tennessee's win over Georgia Tech. It, it was not necessarily... A pretty win. Well, all wins are pretty. Let me rephrase that. It wasn't necessarily a pretty performance throughout in the win for Tennessee, but I thought Tony Vitello summed it up perfectly. And he was more so speaking about the defense, which struggled quite often this weekend. And I think it also relates to the team as a whole in terms of their performance. But A, you can look at it two ways A, they're getting it out of their system now. Rather now than super regionals or Omaha, when when they're probably playing better competition, or B, like you said, Eric, this time of year, all that matters is that you survive and advance, and that's exactly what Tennessee did.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I I, I think there's merit to whichever way you look at it, right? I mean, I was discussing on the radio this morning, um you kind of going back and forth with the guys and. Uh, just kind of setting up the topic to where, you know, is it, is a reason for concern that Tennessee had to battle out of a four run deficit in two games this weekend? Like the you know, sooner or later, you know, you go to the, well, there's not gonna be anything there. And, and I, and I understand that. Right. But I guess my thoughts on the whole thing was, it was so gosh, darn impressive the way they won those two games. Right. I mean, Kirby Connell, <laughs> you're riding the mustache for four plus innings. Will Mavery was brilliant last night. Um, Timely hitting, sure. And Tennessee waited till, you know, the, the last and the top of the ninth inning to, uh, to break through. And I understand all that. But, um, I just think that I, I think more than anything, I mean, look at, look around the country, you know, the, the past couple weeks or the past weekend, right? I mean, it, there's been some crazy, crazy things happen, some crazy scores. Um, you and I were talking, you know, earlier today over text and, just talking about some teams that were shocked that are, you know, still in contention right now, still in a position to, you know, advance on to supers or who, you know, are, are you know, likely to do that. And so I think more than anything, it's just, it's a new season. Anything can happen and it survived in advance. Um, but nonetheless, it, uh, Tennessee to make it, it easy on themselves, give them credit. They came back and they won. Um, and gosh, if it, you know, that guy, <laughs> the, I just, you know, and, I, and I'm not going to back away from my comments. I mean, Georgia Tech's pitching sucks. I mean, it, it absolutely sucks. But Maxwell pitched the game of his freaking life last night. A guy that started in the rotation uh, on the season went to the bullpen and then came out and pitched an absolute gem. Sure, he walked five, but dear God, um, he was incredible for his and Georgia Tech standards last night. And once he got out of the game, Tennessee had a chance, and Tennessee took advantage of it. Yeah, I, I got the comment on the board last night
0: as as Tennessee was looking like they were going to lose before it had put some runs up on the board. Didn't you say Georgia Tech's pitching was bad? Yeah, I did. It is bad. S- still, still bad. Is. And oh, by the way, like Maxwell was awesome. Don't don't get it twisted. But Tennessee was getting on base every single inning against yeah. him. They they had plenty of opportunities. They just pissed them all away because of poor situational hitting. And even Maxwell admitted after the game that his slider was better than it typically is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he already has a dominating fastball, 98, 99, whatever. Like, you you pair that with, with a filthy slider and you, you get the results that Tennessee did have to deal with for a good chunk of that game. And, uh, Eric, how many runs did Tennessee finish with? Tennessee's finished with nine runs. Nine runs. Do, do you think that that is a good job by the Georgia Tech pitching staff? In the grand scheme of things, no, it's not. Uh, What about five walks uh, in in a game? I I know Maxwell had eleven strikeouts, and look, he he was awesome. So so don't get it twisted. Kind of what I'm referencing, but how
1: many walks? Seven total in the game for how many did Maxwell have? Five. Is that good or bad? It's not great. Okay, that that's
0: that's what I thought. Uh, So wonder if I do they. I wonder if I'm I'm still the one. Uh, being blamed although I I did not swing a bat last night I did not field a ground ball I did not try to track down a fly ball Uh, I I did not throw a a single pitch I wonder if it's still me uh, the the reason that Tennessee was losing that game for so long because I said that Georgia Tech I along with everybody else in the free world who can examine baseball correctly I, I wonder if I'm still to blame for for Tennessee struggling because I said
1: Georgia Tech's pitching is terrible, which, oh, by the way, it proved to be terrible. And they rode Maxwell, and and good for Georgia Tech. I mean, I would have done the same thing. They rode him until he didn't have anything left. Because, I mean, what's your better option, right? You don't have one. I mean, you didn't feel great about Maxwell going into the game, but, I mean, here he is. He's giving you everything he got. I mean, they threw him 113 pitches, uh, six innings. Um, and, again, Tennessee, uh, you know, I looked it up at one point in time. I think going into the ninth inning, I don't have the stat pulled up, but Tennessee was like seven to twenty-two with with runners on. They were like, you know, one of fifteen with runners in scoring position. I mean, it was brutal. they started zero for ten. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was it was really really bad. So I mean, to your point, uh, Tennessee was getting on base. They, I mean, I remember Trey Lipscomb had a leadoff double. They wasted that. That um, Stevenson led off the game with a single for the second straight night. Luke no. Lipsius led off
0: an inning with a double. They they had plenty of opportunities, and again, Maxwell pitched really well. But it's not like he was just it felt like he was dominating because of of what the radar read uh, on his fastball and and Tennessee wasn't able to hit with runners in scoring position, but he was not dominating Tennessee. You're not dominating somebody when there's frequently somebody on base. The bigger issue was Tennessee's situational hitting, which was really, really poor for a
1: good chunk of that game. Yeah, I would agree. But nonetheless, Tennessee did finally come through and able to chip away a little bit. They, You know, played a five in the, or excuse me, they played a two in the fifth and, you know, just cutting that deficit in half a little bit. I thought that was huge. They got one in the seventh and then going into the ninth inning, I know that they put up a zero, uh, you know, zero spot in the eighth, but going into the ninth inning, I still felt like, all right, Tennessee's down by one. I mean, that's nothing, right? That's nothing. Now, little did I think that Tennessee was going to score six runs in the ninth inning, but, you know, once they cut that deficit in half, you know, by two runs, I'm like, all right, Tennessee can take the lead at any point in time, any, any one of these half frames, because, that is not that big of a deficit. And so um, it's good that Tennessee continues to show resiliency the last two nights, you know, jumping out of an early four, nothing hole. Um, I think it says a lot about the team, but the fact that it was just so early on, you gave yourself so many different opportunities, so many different at bats to get back in this game. And eventually that's what Tennessee did. Good teams will not stay down for long. And, you know, it took Tennessee a little bit longer than it wanted to last night, but it got the job done and, Avoided uh, a, a winner take all uh, regional finale on a Monday. It just needed to get
0: Maxwell out of the game. That, that That's what needed to happen. Again, I, I know I kind of rained on Maxwell's performance a little bit there uh, a moment ago, but I, I, I was impressed by him. Please, please do not get that twisted. And my thinking throughout the game was that they just needed to get him out out of the game and at some point it was going to happen because he is a a rather large human Uh, I believe the the measurements are 6'6 270 and he he's been pitching out of the bullpen Uh, that was only his fifth start of the season and big boy throwing that much gas and doesn't do it for long lengths of time when he does uh, pitch It, it was only a matter of time before before he tired out, and that was certainly uh, the case late in that game. Especially when when you look at the stats and you see that he threw 113 pitches, and and he was kind of losing it there at the the end. But Tennessee couldn't cash in on him, just like they weren't able to all game long. Before we talk about that rally in the ninth inning, Will Mabry was without a doubt the hero. Of that baseball game I, I shared my thoughts on that on social media during and after uh, Georgia Tech Danny Hall or Georgia Tech head coach Danny Hall flat out said that after the game that will Mabry was the hero of the night for Tennessee and he did exactly what they needed him to do and that was come in and settle the game down and I, I, I thought it was real funny that back to back nights, it was an unlikely hero that one Tennessee, the game. And and when I say unlikely hero, I don't mean it in the sense of it's somebody who has barely played or somebody who's had a poor season. Mabry and Kirby have been awesome this season for, for much of the season, but they, they did things that you really hadn't seen them do this year. Kirby threw a career high in pitches and, like we talked about, Eric, he, I mean, he referred to himself as a lefty specialist, and then he comes in and, and does what he does. And and Will Mabry's been a, a little bit more extended than Kirby, but even Mabry in his own right has been a lefty specialist. And, and he did have a outing earlier this season, James Madison, I believe it was, where he he threw a career high in innings pitched and, and also had a career high in strikeouts. But yesterday was up there for, for Mabry as well in terms of, uh, length of outing and importance of outing. And it, it was just really neat to see a deja vu all over again, as Tony Vitello said, and two unlikely heroes, guys expanding their roles in the postseason to, to help Tennessee calm the storm, play that complimentary baseball we discussed, and and just give the offense enough time to get going and, and come back and win that game.
1: Yeah, I mean, with respect, again, with with respect, I mean, Mabry and, and- – Kirby aren't winning your ball games, right? They're not the reason you're winning ball games. They were absolutely the reason you won ball games this week, right? This weekend, because they saved your bullpen. I mean, Cannon Sewell was being saved till Monday, right? Um, the ability to get three and two thirds, the ability to get fifty-six pitches out of Will Mabry, you know, saved Cannon Sewell. You know, you had Ben Joyce who pitched uh, what an inning on Friday night uh, when the game was out of hand. I mean, sure, you would have loved to have had him available and ready to roll from Monday as well to go with Camden Sewell. Um, I know Chase Burns is still an option as well, too. I get all that. But, I mean, Will Mabry saved you. Kirby saved you on Saturday night. And so, uh, just unreal performances from these guys. And, I mean, they are are the heroes of the weekend, without a doubt. So, um, you and I are big on, you know, strikes in terms of total pitches. 56 total pitches, 42 strikes. Just huge. Five strikeouts, no walks, um, five hits over three and two-thirds. He was fan-freaking-tastic. And, Again, um, and this is a bigger conversation. And maybe we can talk on this later in the week. But, um, you know, Drew Beam, he, he doesn't look great. Three and a third. He gives up two runs, four, four runs overall, two of which are earned. He should have been out of the inning. Um, you know, the first uh, two spot that was scored in the third inning, uh, throwing air by Cortland Lawson. But, um, you know, maybe, maybe Tony's hands are tied a little bit. Uh, m- maybe you want to get everything you can get out of Beam. And so maybe that's in the starting role, which is why you've seen Chase come out of the bullpen uh, here lately. And maybe you just got to you know piggyback him with somebody else. I don't know. I don't know. But, uh, you know, being battled again uh, didn't look fantastic. Didn't get a lot of help from guys behind him. I recognize that. Uh, but that made it also more important than what Will Mabry did for you on Sunday and, of course, what Kirby Connell did for you uh, on Saturday after the SEC Pitcher of the Year he gets chased, no pun intended, early on. That was the question I was about to, to pose is, what, what do you do with Drew Beam because – I don't think you can uh, move him though, for real. Like I don't, I don't. I I think if you're trying to and, again, he, freshman, we say this every single pod. Freshman hadn't thrown in two years, been incredible what he's done. Right? I mean, he's the SEC freshman of the year, trying to maximize and get every last little thing you can get out of Drew Beam right now in a safe way. Ben, I don't know if you can. I, I don't know if you can move him. I think you got to keep him where you're at. Just have a guy ready to piggyback right off him. Right? Um, he he had one relief appearance and that wasn't great. Think he's comfortable in a starting role. Um, but but that that's something to pay attention to as well. And when you have another option like Camden and Sewell that you feel really, really good about, do you just want to roll him out there? But then that takes away from a guy that you has incredible long relief option. But then again, you had Mabry and, and Kirby go long relief this past weekend. You have options, and that's a good thing. But uh gosh, I don't know, man. That's that that's why uh that's why I'm not coaching because I literally don't know. I would move him out of the role and and I,
0: I think. At this point, it is trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. And I I would move him out of that third starter spot. And and this is Monday morning quarterback, and it ended up working out. And, again, I agree with what you said. Courtney Lawson committed a huge error there that did not help Drew Beam whatsoever. But Drew just has not looked the same the last month and a half because of him hitting that freshman wall, and his freshman wall isn't the typical freshman wall that is talked about in every sport. We talk about it with football. We talk about it with basketball. Certainly talk about it with baseball as well. His is different because of the COVID canceling his junior season, because of Tommy John taking away his senior, his senior season. He, he's hit that wall, and it just doesn't seem like he's going to be able to bounce back from it. And he, he hasn't looked like the guy the first half of the season in about a month, if if not more. And and I hate it. I am a big Drew Bean fam, fan. I, I think he's going to be awesome for Tennessee over the course of his career. And, and look, he can still have a role on this team. Absolutely. I'm I'm not saying that you that you put him on the shelf the rest of the year and, and you don't throw him at all. He he can still help this team, but the, the last two or three outings, the best thing that he has done is battle. And the, there's a lot to be said for that but he's having to battle through and get out of jams because he just doesn't have the same precision on his pitches. He doesn't have the same command that he had the first half of the season that led to him winning SEC freshman of the year. 36 strikes and 66 pitches. That that's just not going to cut it this time of year unfortunately and again recognize that Cortland did not help him with the error. But four walks in an outing is is just not going to cut it this time of year. And uh, it, it's been several outings in a row in, in which the, the walk numbers have been higher than they should be. And it's because he hit that freshman wall. So even yesterday, honestly, I, I was telling those in the press box that I speak with on a regular basis before the game that I, I didn't like being starting yesterday. If if I was the head coach, obviously, <laughs> I'm, I'm not I'm just a, a blogger and a podcaster. Uh, I'm not the second highest paid. SEC coach out there but I I think Camden Sewell is your your third best option starting games at this point um and I, I realize that you're trying to save him for a Monday game seven if need be but I, I think maybe you're trying to get a little too cute there and it, it almost bit you in the butt and caused a game seven instead of saving I, I my mindset was as simple as Eric instead of saving Camden for game seven, use Camden to prevent a game seven. And then if for some reason there is a game seven, Chase Burns, who only threw what, 25 pitches uh on Saturday night, he can come back from 25 pitches
1: and start that game seven for you. And that's my biggest thing right there. You know, coming out of Hoover, you and I both said, I mean, you know, Burns is Burns is a starting pitcher that we believe Burns is still going to be starting games for the Tennessee team because there was a lot of talk on the broadcast and everything about him being, you know, coming out of the pen and you know, because he's got high V-low and a lot of great stuff, movement and all that. And I mean, I felt like he'd be starting games. He didn't start uh, a game this weekend. Maybe maybe he's that number three starter in Supers if it's not canon. So I don't know. What do you see as the role for Chase Burns right now? Um, he looked uh, not great, to, to be completely honest, uh, on Saturday. You know, runs up and in, had that scary situation, of course, with you know, hitting that guy in the head. Um, but he battled back and he got himself out of a jam. So there's something to be said for that. Um, I think he gave up a, a two-run shot in that next inning. Nonetheless, well, what, you know, what do you think about Chase Burns right now and how Tennessee can use him?
0: Yeah, I kind of go back and forth uh, on that one. I, I I understand bringing him out of the bullpen uh, to close down games like he did against Kentucky, and I I, I think I would settle on him being my fourth starter. I, I I again, I I think I would roll Camden Sewell out there for the third game Th- this upcoming weekend. If if there is a game three on Saturday or Sunday, whatever day, uh, after Dolly after Tidwell, I would throw Sewell out there on, on in that game three, winner take all. I, I really would in Omaha. I'd throw Sewell out there game three. I, I I would have that pecking order going in um, the the rest of the way and have Chase Burns ready as a fourth starter. And and if for some reason you need a fifth starter for for whatever reason in Omaha then you roll Drew Beam out there and have some guys uh, ready to roll behind him. And look, yes, you do take Sewell away from the bullpen uh, if you decide to start him. But I like the point that you brought up of Kirby and Mabry this weekend earning more trust than, again, not that there wasn't trust. I, I already had a great deal of trust in Kirby and Mabry, but there, there's even more there now. Uh, to, to have, and they can fill the shoes of Camden Sewell if Sewell slides into the rotation. And also, here's the other thing. With Sewell sliding into the rotation, that puts Burns or Beam in the bullpen, if not both of them. And, and again, I'm not saying that Beam needs to be on the shelf. I would just think twice about maybe continuing to roll him out there as a as a starter, give him a clean inning or two to work with here or there and, and just not rely on him as a starter. And, and then again, Burns coming out of the bullpen. That's great too. Ben Joyce barely pitched this weekend. I, I just, you can get away with it in, in regional weekend. Maybe you almost didn't get away with it, but Camden Sewell can't go an entire weekend without pitching. I agree. I agree. So I, 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 I don't blame the thought process of trying to save him, save him for a game seven. Like, I, I don't think that's a, a bad thought process or a, a wrong line of thinking. My mind is just thinking the opposite of, hey, why not use them to prevent a game seven? So that's something to to keep an eye on going forward for sure. How about Jared Dickey? Man, that that kid just continues to deliver, uh, has barely played the last month or so. It's a shame he can't run. (laughs) Yes, it it is a shame. It really is. And and look, I love Seth Stevenson's defense. I, I really do. I mean, he tracked down a ball last night that Jared Dickey just does not get to. Uh, even healthy Jared Dickey does not get to like you want Seth's tools in the lineup. That speed is elite speed. Enrique Bradfield Jr. is probably the only player in the country faster than Seth Stevenson, certainly in the SEC. So you want Stevenson in the lineup, but man, you, you are missing Dickey's bad and you, you're not taking Burke's bat out, out of the lineup. So it, it would be nice to see Jared Dickey back in there. Uh, I'm, I'm sure his role will continue to expand. I, I don't expect to see him in the field, but uh, maybe a, a DH spot or two or maybe Seth's leash or or whoever. I, I guess it would have to be the DH that he pinch hits for earlier in the game if, if you're going to keep him in the game because, again, he can't play the field. But uh, just that hit last night and, and a night after he, he pinched it and drew a walk. And, and then I want to say it was the SEC tournament or maybe one of the final weekends of the regular season – he had another pinch hit single. Uh, I, I think I think it was a uh, Kentucky, wasn't it? In, in the SEC tournament, it was his first appearance in forever, and, and he stepped and the whole up there team and slapped the single. For him. Yeah, mm-hmm. yep, 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 yep. So that was really neat to see, and that's what that's what got the, the the marbles rolling. And Tony Vitello just pressing all the right buttons. I mean, even pinch running Kyle Booker for Jared Dickey in that situation that was the difference in and Booker beating out that toss on the ground ball to second.
1: No, I would agree. He came all the way around the scored on the, uh, the the big the big message sent, the big pointer and double, you know, to the to the center field wall that has everybody talking here on a Monday and uh, came around emotionally, taps on plate and is all fired up. But Jared Dickey, man, all that dude does is hit. And you, again, you just picture what this team can look like next year, too. And you're just like, my God. I mean, you got Dickey that's going to be in there somewhere. You got Burt that's going to be in there somewhere. Simo that's going to be in there somewhere. I mean, that your heart of the order is going to look fan freaking fantastic next year, depending on. And not all these guys are going to leave, in my opinion, but a lot of these guys will have the opportunity to go and, you know, get drafted and whatnot. But um, now I'm with you, man. Jared Dickey, I, I just, I, I don't know because it looks like he's. They're just not comfortable with him on the base pass right now. And it's going to be tough to, number one, let him DH moving forward because, again, what are you going to do with Blake Burke? Lipsius is playing. So where's Burke going to be batting? Um, it, it's tough to just say, slot in there on the DH role. And, you know, if once you, you're, you're – just looking at a late inning pinch hit opportunity like we've seen here lately, whenever, you know, uh, Seth's coming out of the game and, and they had just book run left. So I don't know. It's a tough situation to be in, but all that dude does is hit. And it's awesome because every single time you come up there, he's just slapping a single, slapping a single, and then starting a rally, and that's what he did last night. He,
0: he's just such a, a great guy to root for. He is a great guy, uh, and he just works so, so hard. And Tony Vitello really commended him last night for that. Uh, he said you get a guy or you have a guy that is working like a maniac every day. It was great to see what he did and then come into the dugout and just everybody loves him. And he also said Tony did. Uh, when I asked him about Jared Dickey starting that rally, that uh, he had to make his, a decision his freshman year. Do I want to play baseball still? And do I want to be an effective baseball player and get myself in shape? And the guy has not stopped. He's had a maniac work ethic since. And uh, Jared's had to, to deal with a lot at the beginning of his career. He, he shared a little bit of it um, when he joined me on the Extra Innings podcast or one-on-one interview type of deal that I was doing throughout the regular season. And, and I mean, he, he dealt with some, some mental health that that he had to get over and, and he certainly did. And it's really great to see him thriving now because he, he deserves all of that success. And that, that opened up the floodgates after Booker was able to, uh, <laughs> to beat that toss out at second. You had the Jared or the Jared Jordan Beck double over the head of the center fielder. Uh, that was a, a big hit. And, Center fielder misplayed it, obviously, but Jordan absolutely smoked the, the mess out of that ball as well. I would have loved to have known the the exit velo on that play. And then how about Christian Moore? Two straight games where he, he steps into the box and uh, drives in some big runs, some big insurance runs.
1: Yeah. Um. Again, Tony just continues to press the right buttons, right? No one to go to Dickey in that situation, pinch hitting or pinch running Cal Booker, you know, pinch hitting, Uh, Christian Moore with a big two run single, um, Tennessee actually takes the lead on a bases loaded hit batsman, which is just hilarious. Um, Evan Russell has an RBI single later in that inning is it Corlin Lawson that has a sack fly. I mean, yeah, Tennessee just continues to pile on there late. Um, but again, it all started with Jared Dickey, big clutch freaking hits from Jordan Beck and Christian Moore, um, Again, it's, 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 we say this all the time. And again, it's just, it's a broken record at this point. Do not ever, ever count this team out until the game's over because anybody up and down this lineup is capable of starting a rally. I mean, it truly is. And, and you saw that again last night. So uh, that was huge six runs in the ninth inning. And of course, uh, you needed those six runs to uh, withstand a little bit of a rally there by Georgia Tech in the bomb of the inning. Redmond made it a little bit nerve wracking or a lot of nerve-wracking there
0: uh, in the bottom of the ninth inning. But, hey, uh, Tennessee is able to pull it off and advance to Super Regionals where they will face Notre Dame. The last thing for you on the way out the door, going to ask you the question that you brought up here at the beginning. Any concern uh, moving forward when evaluating Tennessee, just having to come back in back-to-back games and uh, maybe a little bit sloppier than you expected at times, Granted, I do think part of the the issue is that Tennessee has just set this ridiculously high standard,
1: yeah. <laughs>
0: and, and people just expect them to play perfect baseball all nine innings and, and blow out everybody constantly. You're just not you're not going to get that in college baseball. You don't get it in the major leagues. You're certainly not going to get it for three straight days at at the college level either. So, your thoughts on? maybe some of the the quirkiness that that was Tennessee baseball this weekend. And does that have you worried at all going into super regionals?
1: Yeah. Worried. No. Um, And again, I was kind of scoffing at this on the radio this morning, because we were trying to make a segment out of it, trying to make a conversation out of it. And as the day's gone on after we got off the air at 9am, I'm kind of sitting here thinking, I'm like, well, I hear what you're saying now. (laughs) Like I was almost defensive about it this morning, but like, you know, you can't keep going back to the well every time and expect to be drawing water. I mean, at some point you're going to get God. If this, Continues. This is just two games in a row. That doesn't mean it's it's a habit. It's a bad habit, right? So concern. No, I'm, I'm still I'll stick to my guns. I'm still more impressed with the ways that they won these games um, with, with the long relief options, the timely hitting towards the end of the game. Don't get me wrong. Middle to end of the game. Um, I, I do. They, they need to not make a habit out of wasting runners and scoring position to put a lot of runners on uh, during the Knoxville Regional and missed opportunities early in games. Uh, so you know, level of concern, it's not high, it's really not. They find ways to win, and uh, again, it's the postseason. Um, it, it's it's drunk, it's wild, and uh, it's it's kind of surviving in advance. So, um, I will say this bad game for Cortland Lawson, doesn't find him defensively whatsoever. He's been a wizard out there, but um, that that doesn't need to happen again. He knows that, obviously. I'm not breaking any news here. Uh, that that was bad yesterday for sure. Um, so I'll, I'm intrigued to see how he bounces back. But to answer your question, level of concern, it's not high um, because baseball is not perfect. This team is not perfect, and you said it, you said it correctly. There, we just have such high expectations to where every time there's a strikeout, every time there was a, there's an error committed, it's like what's going on here? I mean, come on, like uh, you haven't done that all year. So I, I think that's more of of what it is than anything.
0: Right, and, and I take for example people saying Courtland Lawson is, is such a liability. He, he was technically the, the best hitter on the team this weekend, if you want to look at it from a statistical standpoint. He and Jarrell Ortega had the best average on the team. Both of them hit 500 on the weekend over the three games. Lawson was 5-for-10, a homer, four RBIs, three runs driven in, two doubles, and he had a team high three walks over the course of the weekend. He was really good at the plate. Defensively, his worst weekend of the season, I think that was just more about a bad weekend defensively. Than something to be concerned about moving forward. He, he's really good in the field and has been rock solid pretty much all season long defensively. So I, I'm not worried about Cortland Lawson. He'll be fine. And, and to your point about high expectations, and, and I guess my point as well, Jordan Beck, aside from giving Georgia Tech the bird, he hit 357 this weekend. 357 this weekend, five for 14, a double, three runs scored, two home runs. Uh, six RBIs. He didn't have a walk, which that is hit. uncharacteristic from him, but everybody's like Jordan Beck just awful weekend. And it and it's like he hit 357. He
1: had a he had a two, he had a two home run game on Friday night. Um right, it was against Alabama State. Who cares? Uh, he a, and he hits well was. against Alabama opponents, apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I just the, the the veterans in the heart of that order, they came to play this weekend. I mean, yes. n- not not just them. But Jordan Beck and Drew Gilbert—they came to play this weekend in a major way. I, I anybody walking away from the Knoxville regional thinking Jordan Beck was bad, uh, you must be blind. Because I, yeah, I, I,
0: there I were comments about how he shouldn't be a, a first-round pick, and and this and that.
1: And look, well, I, mean, dad, I mean, he's freaking Iron Man out there. He's yes. going to be a first-round pick. I mean, look at yes. his look at his makeup. Good raw raw power, athletic as it gets. Great
0: defensively. He will be a first-round pick. And, look, I I get Beck has some frustrating at-bats. He he really does, where he overthinks. And uh, I don't know why anybody would ever throw him a fastball, throw him breaking ball, breaking ball, breaking ball, make him hit the breaking ball. I I don't understand why you would ever throw him a fastball. But um, I'm more so pointing the Beck conversation out just to – magnify the the expectations that this team has brought on themselves everybody expects them to play perfect baseball 24/7 and that's just not going to happen the 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 Yankees team that is deemed the, the greatest of all time they didn't play perfect baseball whoever wins the world series this year not going to play perfect baseball the, the, Let Braves, me you, the Braves last, last year, year were definitely not perfect for a while yes, i saw them get swept in atlanta in august not, not in April. In August, I, I saw them swept by the Yankees who didn't even make it out of the wild card game. And the Braves didn't even look like a playoff team. Hey, but they, <laughs> that, they's perfect by the year's can, in baby. Exactly. It's, but that I'm not trying to like make fun of the Braves. I, I'm, I know, I'm pointing out that like teams that win championships are not perfect. They're, they're not, especially in the sport of baseball. A uh, sport of failure. And like we talked about on the preview podcast, so much can go wrong. And I, I do think that this weekend kind of showed just how much can possibly go wrong. I, I agree with Tony Vitello's sentiment after the game that the Knoxville Regional is going to make Tennessee better. T- Tennessee faced better pitching than, than it probably anticipated, at least the, the three main arms that it faced. I, I thought all three starters that Tennessee faced was pretty strong, pretty good. Yeah. Breon Pooler on, on Friday from Alabama State, Cade Cooler from Campbell and then last night Zach Maxwell I mean I think those are three arms that are really going to help help prepare Tennessee for Notre Dame and Omaha and and then obviously the the hitting had to figure things out pitching got tested I I think Chase Dolander will be perfectly fine I said it the other night I I don't think he pitched as as bad as it may seem since he had to leave so early in the game Campbell just fouled off a ton of great pitches I I think Tennessee got better this weekend and, and will benefit going forward from this opening weekend of the NCAA tournament.
1: No rest for the weary. Got a good team coming in this weekend. So um, all the theatrics and all the the heart-stomping moments, well, buckle up and get ready, because I'm sure it will happen again this weekend in the Lindsey Nelson Stadium.
0: Certainly will. Tennessee's two wins away from Omaha. It was a great weekend of Tennessee baseball. Been a great weekend for college baseball. College baseball is such an underrated under, underrated. Uh, entertainment value and Monday in itself uh,
1: eight I think eight elimination games I mean just well 11 tickets needed to be punched yeah okay yeah well yeah yeah I mean that's talk about an underrated day for sure like this should have been a great viewing day uh, for all the networks because there was just some prime time uh, tickets to be punched and teams out there in action
0: yeah product was the word that I was searching for such an underrated product is college baseball and Glad to see people are finally starting to, to realize that. So it's been a great weekend for the sport as well. Tennessee will face Notre Dame this weekend. Eric and I will be back with you later this week to preview Notre Dame. I'll be sure to get a Notre Dame person on here to preview the Fighting Irish. And then, obviously, Eric and I will give our thoughts as well. So, Eric, hope you have a great week. And for Eric Kane, I am Ben McKee, and we hope the rest of you all have a great week.